This week's episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by the Liturgical Music Institute. The Liturgical Music Institute, or LMI, is a five-day immersion experience of prayer, education, and music. It will take place July 4th through 29th at the Seminary of the Immaculate Conception in Huntington, New York, approximately 40 miles east of New York City. For more information and how to register, visit npm.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 197 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Ministry Monday has returned from its Holy Week and Easter break. We hope that your Triduum celebrations were prayerful and filled with song, prayer, and the joy of the resurrection. We also hope that you have found some rest after Holy Week as well. Today, we continue on the topic of sequences. Father Michael Jonkis began our examination of the Church's current use of sequences before we journeyed through Holy Week. And today, Father Rock O'Connor continues this conversation with us. Rock O'Connor S.J. has been a member of the Society of Jesus for over 50 years. He served in pastoral settings for most of his ministerial life, parishes, college and universities, and Jesuit formation. He is a founding member of the St. Louis Jesuits, a group that has shaped pastoral music for all of us today and has earned worldwide recognition. Rock helps us with a primer of sorts on the sequences for Easter Sunday, Pentecost, and Corpus Christi. This particular episode is very beneficial when viewed as a video episode. You can find it in the show notes of this episode, as well as on NPM's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash NPM livestream. Keep in mind that if you can't access the video version of this episode, keep in mind that Rock allows us to flow between the Latin text, the Isil translation, and the Roman Missal translation freely, examining how they work together and help to bring forth the sacred in some of the holiest days in our church calendar. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to Father Rock O'Connor. Hi, how are you, Rock? I'm making it through the day <laughs> with all these <laughs> technological glitches and stuff, but um, good. Today's a good day. Good. And you, how about you? 
Well, you know, I will admit we've had some technological glitches today right before we started recording and also here in the NPM office. So it's just that type of day. There must be something in the air. I don't know. But I am so pleased to be speaking with you today about the sequences. So we started this conversation with um, Father Michael Jonkis right before Easter. And then we we took a, a quick break from Ministry Monday during Holy Week because, of course, as pastoral musicians and clergy, we're a little busy. So we're back at it today and we are talking about the sequences. Now, before we begin, I have something to ask of you that I don't think I've ever asked of anyone before on the podcast. Okay. Would you mind just starting us in just a very brief prayer to kind of settle us after Easter? And I, okay, that'd be great. Thank you. God, we give you thanks and praise for your presence and action in the world that you have opened for us paths to new life in this life through the working of your Holy Spirit, the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us come to know in our depths the mystery of your saving love through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And here begins our conversations about the sequences. So buckle up. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Let's let's start with the one that um, is really the closest to us in terms of the liturgical calendar. And that's that's the Easter sequence, Victime Pascali Laudas. So we spoke with um, Mike Jonkis before Easter about the historical context of sequences. But I'd love to talk with you about, first off, the imagery and the spirituality that we find in these sequences as well. And maybe also adding a little dash of why. Why are these so important? So let's let's start by looking at Victime Pascali Laudas. I love it. Now, could I take a step back first? Yeah, absolutely. We're communicating by email. One of the things, one I think you use the term the elephant in the room with Michael. And one of the elephants in the room, the several, I think, has to do with why even do hmm. Hmm. I think there are two, uh, two or three possible reasons. One is um, time. Pastors are under the gun for time. And liturgists, therefore, are under their pastor's gun to deal with time and to you know, you don't want people yelling at you, especially on Easter. <laughs> the second thing is it shows up only once a year. And these texts are so foreign because they come to us in meter. They're metered poetry. And in fact, when you, if you could put up the Victime Pascalis now, mm-hmm. um, let's go with um, what this piece does. I've been very interested in looking at the at the translation. So um, 
the first line, victim make Pascal, as loud as Emil and Christiani. In the old translation, or the ISIL, that's an older, uh, more literal translation, let Christians offer sacrificial praises to the Passover victim. Uh, Pascalis is one way to, to do that, but Paschal or Easter, um, the suffering victim is another way to, but the key word on the left in the Latin is immolent, which is uh, creating a, a holocaust, a whole burnt offering of praise. So uh, this, all the Christians offer sacrificial praises is closer to the Latin. Over here in the English, it's offering your thankful praises to the Paschal victim. Now, that's in itself interesting. What I find in that phrase is uh, the possible connection with the Roman canon, the, the, the first Eucharistic prayer, that more than the other prayers speaks of the sacrifice of praise. Um, you'll find that term sacrifice of praise used in terms of the Eucharist in the catechism, for example. And I think that term captures it better than the uh, Roman Missal translation, just to say that. This first three, these first three uh, pieces, the, uh, a lamb the sheep redeems Christ who only is uh, reconciled sinners to the Father. This is why this is like a preface. It's why we offer profound Holocaust-like praises uh, to the to the Paschal victim. It's not to the Father. That's what's interesting. Um, and here's the reason: a lamb the sheep redeems. And what's more interesting to me, and it's just striking me more these days than before. Christ, who only is sinners, reconcile, sinless, reconciles sinners to the Father. It's not reconciling God to us. Hmm. It's reconciling sinners to the Father, because we're the ones with the problem, which is not just sin, but it's shame and guilt that leads us to believe that you know, God really doesn't want to do this and leads us to thereby put up all kinds of barriers to grace. And thirdly, death and life have contended in this combat stupendous. That's a good translation. Um, and in that conflict, which in one sense we've seen and experienced in ourselves, I believe, during Lent, or at least can, uh, by almsgiving, prayer, and uh, fasting, we can discover how my will to take care of my life is so profound that engaging now uh, more intentionally with the risen Christ continues that, almost that battle. It's that now we're going to celebrate um, the victory over that battle, the final, the eschatological battle. What's interesting to me, again, this first part, Christians to the Paschal victim, and then the Prince of Life who died reigns immortal, is like the A section. Hmm. If you're writing a hymn, something like that's the A section or whatever. The second part, speak Mary, declaring what you saw wayfaring, is it just feels more folksy. 
You know, the first part is uh, theological language. And this one is just saying, Mary, tell us what happened. And these are not quotes from the scriptures necessarily. They're uh, summations from the scriptures and a kind of bringing together of all four gospels, more or less. The tomb of Christ, the glory of Christ. It's, it's emphasizing in this folksy way, Christ living, the glory of Christ, the resurrection, bright angels attesting. Um, yes, Christ, my hope is risen to Galilee, goes before you, setting forth the, uh, the engagement, um, either in John's gospel with, do you love me more than these, to Simon Peter, mm -hmm. or uh, in, in, in uh, Mark's gospel where, uh, Jesus meets the 11, they're at table, and he gives them hell for not believing in them. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that happens in Galilee. Okay. Once we get through this B section, this goes back to an A prime section. Christ indeed from death is risen, our new life obtaining. It takes the, the wonderful, wonderfully, uh, homey imagery of Mary telling this story and brings it into the theological. Christ indeed from death is risen, our new life obtaining, which is not in the Latin, by the way, our new life obtaining. Have mercy, victor king, ever reigning, amen, hallelujah. So it's kind of A, B, A prime. Mm -hmm. And the imagery has mainly to do with the first part of life and death contending, and then all the resurrection imagery. I mean, I could see something like uh, Christopher Walker's um, uh, Celtic Alleluia hmm. doing the A sections in his verses. And I'm blanking on those right now. Sorry, Chris. But writing a different melody for the B section. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because yes, it then does. it kind of breaks it. It breaks it up a little bit. Let's take a look at this um, Pentecost sequence then. This is fascinating. The Pentecost finishes the 50 days of the Easter, sea, uh, Easter. And then we have the celebration of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the hymn, come, come, Holy Ghost, Creator, blessed and all that. It comes from this. Veni Sancte Spiritus et emite celitus uh, lucis tue radium. Come, Holy Spirit, come and from your celestial home, which is a good translation, shed a ray of divine light. Okay. This is a literal translation. In mm -hmm. looking at this thing, it there's I didn't discern an A and a B section in what we saw, like what we saw with Easter. So, so, but what what's going on here? Are a theology of God and the Holy Spirit, the gift given as well as an anthropology, or it says a huge amount about humankind, the way we're situated before God, 
uh, and in this prayer is come Holy Spirit. We are in the position of asking of uh, and having some sense of our need to ask. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Come father of the poor, come giver of gifts, light of hearts, comforter, guest of the soul, consolation, okay. These are unusual images of the spirit, I find. Uh, father of the poor, we don't hear that one about uh, engaged about uh, prayers, songs, to hymns to the Holy Spirit. Comforter, yeah, guest of the soul, uh, consolation, yeah, light of hearts, shed your light upon us. Okay, once we get into this fourth stanza in labor rest in rage that's my translation of i stop i stu i stu in rage temperateness in tears solace it's starting in in, in that in that uh, kind of a gold dark gold color or brown color in labor in labor rest it's in the first instance, showing us something about humankind. It's not just, I go to work 40 hours a week. I think what it can mean also is the human labor to save ourselves, the human labor to win effectively and finally our esteem and our sovereignty over the world. So in, in that kind of labor, rest, seventh day rest, enrage, temperateness. I think that's a still a good translation. In tears, solace. So those three words, labor, rage, and tears, start to describe something about the human condition out of which you and I are praying, come Holy Spirit. And then this, 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 these next two, O most blessed light, fill the inmost heart of your faithful. And without your power, now numine over here on the left, sine tuo numine, without your power or Godhead, there is nothing in human beings. I didn't get to change that on this one. Um, there is nothing, in, nothingness, nothing that is unhurt in axiom, it's more than in the uh, current missile, uh, nothing free from taint of ill. It's saying that human beings, we are wounded people. We are people that struggle with emptiness. And in our inmost heart, the light that shines there also shines in to help us see who we are. And so come Holy Spirit. Does that make, it looks like that's making some sense. Yes. And that, and that continues. Could you uh, scroll up a bit, please? Yeah, right there. So cleanse is, or wash, is what the Holy Spirit does. Water, heal. What? That which is unclean, sorted, is a better word but we're not gonna we're not gonna sing about that, are we? 
you know, that which is sorted in us would be kind of like, oh, true confessions. Um, <laughs> but water that which is dry, the parched earth of our lives. Mm. As I know that better, and so through Advent for Lent, I mean, heal that which is wounded. Instead of, again, with the, um, uh, the, the Roman Missal, wash the stains of guilt away, there's nothing in here in the Latin that talks about guilt at all. It's that which is wounded in us. And the, the wound which leaves us dry, sordid, and then we go to the next part, inflexible, chilled, gone astray. That's the inherent placement that the sequence does of humankind of us who are praying to say, hey kids, this is what we're like. We have to ask, we need to ask to wash, to water, to heal, to bend, or it, which is more like going to a physical therapist and or taking yoga or something and not becoming rigid, but graceful. In fact, this is bend that which is inflexible really is um, bend that which is rigid. Mm -hmm. I like in the Roman Missal, melt the frozen, warm the chill. Um, in Dante's Divine Comedy in, in the Inferno, at the bottom of hell, there are no flames. Satan is frozen in rage and rebellion. That's why it's melt, uh, melt the frozen, warm the chill. Because when Dante and Virgil climb over Satan and start to walk into purgatory, it warms up. Why? To melt the frozen heart, uh, to become less rigid, to become less frigid is the frigidum is the Latin. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then so the the, the last two of these, instead of using um, come o Holy Spirit, veni, veni sancte spiritus, mm -hmm. it's da, give to your faithful, da virtus, da virtutis meritum, da salutis exitum, da perenne gaudium, give, we need this, to your faithful, the sevenfold gifts. We need I can't even do them all. Okay, help me. Wisdom. Piety. Oh, no, Father. You should have given, given me a heads up on I this. I know. I didn't think of it. Anyway, <laughs> you all out there know what they are. Write them in the, uh, in the uh, comments and we'll know what they are, okay? But, <laughs> but, but we need those. Mm -hmm. Give the reward of virtue. Um, give um, da salutis exitum. Uh, 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 a saving exit is the literal thing and uh, the, the, the uh, death of salvation I don't know give joy constantly or give perennially joy hmm. and joy being the last word of this thing gives me the picture that that which fits in with the gospel of John chapter 20 the disciples were filled with joy. That's the healing grace. That's the ultimate healing grace. I notice in this one as well that 
um, versus Victimi Pascali Laudes, um, this very much, I think you've alluded to this, it's very poetic, you know, even either in the Latin or in the English. The, the, the way that it is written is very, like if we were in a poetry class or an advanced English class, this would make so much sense to, to look at how there's so much symmetry in how yes. much so much of this is written. Yes, exactly. And, and now when Michael suggested the thing about reading as the, one of the options, one that he would not uh, recommend, I, 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 we can see when we look at the meter. So if we go up to where you are now, the Latin uh, uh, sine tuo numine, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. ni, uh, nihil est in homine, nihil est in axiom, uh, where, you, where you are not, we have not, nothing good indeed or thought, nothing free from taint or ill. I mean, on the one hand, that can get really boring. On the other hand, it just occurred to me, it sounds like Carmina Baran. Hmm. Wouldn't that be funky? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a funky version of um, Veni Sancte Spiritus? Holy buckets. <laughs> There's plenty to unpack here. There is. And, and so, so before we go on to the third one here, man, mm -hmm. this is something um, that's going to get sung in one of Michael's four, five, six, or seven, or eight possibilities of singing, you know, <laughs> cantor in Latin and English and uh, uh, congregation joining in or not. It's still a new piece. It won't be a new piece to the choir, will it? Or to the cantor, because they're gonna have to know it. What are the conditions for the possibility that this might be meaningful? What has to happen for this piece to become meaningful? Now, one possibility is to look at using uh, the Pentecost sequence as a way of a prayerful reflection during the whole year. You could go back and look at all this stuff um, a little bit during Advent because you know, there's, there are elements of, of uh, repentance and coming to know yourself, all that. And wouldn't this be interesting to pray uh, over the incarnation too? Mm -hmm. Never thought of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it would take some time, some years to be uh, produced, not just a musical version of this, but a sense of... Um, the meaning of this what are what's the possibility what needs to happen so that full active conscious participation can happen with this mm -hmm. have you ever been at a <laughs> i've been at um liturgies with jesuits who are celebrating some kind of anniversary 30 40 50 years you know as a jesuit or a priest or whatever and they get up there and they preach for like 40 minutes you know get the hook <laughs> and it's it's you know that's tough enough but what it does it renders the congregation the assembly to be in such a state as to be stunned 
as to become immobile and less responsive for the rest of the liturgy. Hmm. If we look at only the performance of this thing um, and doing it right and really coming up with a way that it can come across to the people, there's still the thing about um, um, how do people in fact receive this so as to engage fully, actively and consciously mm -hmm. in it and be, uh, that it become fruitful, um, which is maybe still the, the question about liturgical renewal. How do we do that? And so I sent you that, uh, that, that, that uh, phrase uh, from Aquinas, quid quid re chipitur, re chipiens re chipitur. There you go, if anyone likes Latin, there it is. This is from the Summa. Would, would you mind saying it in Latin and then English for those who are just listening? Yeah. Quid quid re chipitur, whatever is received, per modum re chipiens re chipitur, is received according to the mode of the one receiving. So I'll do both. Quid quid re chipitur, per modum re chipiens re chipitur. Whatever is received is received according to the mode of the one receiving. So, for example, we were talking earlier about having <laughs> a difficult technology day, that there was something in the stars or the moon that was in klutz. And when I am anxious about something, I receive in my version of anxiety, whatever is given, the gospel read at, a, at the Sunday liturgy, um, a song uh, during the preparation of gifts or whatever, that I receive that as an anxious person. If I am in a whole other state, you know, your kid just threw up on you and you're going, what the, I gotta get this kid out of here, you know? and, and uh, what are people going to think of me and all that? Well, this is so important throughout the whole liturgy to know that, number one, how I am, what my modes of receiving are, so that whatever is given, I can not only receive, but I can notice how I receive it, for example, as an ang angry or anxious person. It makes a whole bunch of difference. Mm -hmm. Or resistant person. I don't want Jesus, you don't live in the real world. Leave me alone. You know? mm -hmm. you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I don't want to mm -hmm. hear that. <laughs> for for the time's sake, because I feel like we could do just an episode, finish the episode just on this quote. But if you're okay with it, let's look at the last sequence together um, before we uh before we and, end our time together today. Now this is poetry. Hmm. Again, lauda sian salvatorem lauda ducha med pastorem in him nisi canticis. God, it sounds like Carmina Barana, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Sion, uh, the, the, that's the ISIL, the Latin or the Roman Missal text. Loud, O Zion, your salvation, loud with hymns of exultation, Christ your King and Shepherd true. 
you know, you do that for as long a piece as this is, it'll be difficult. Mm -hmm. So as I look at this as a composer, I look at this, the different color of uh, colors I used here, like blue and then down here it's purple and stuff. I would either have a, I would have a different, I would have a key change or hmm. melody change mm -hmm. and introduce maybe another melody. Anyway, this first part um, that goes all the way down to from your heart, let praises burst. It's only, it's, it's like, here we are, we are Zion. Give your praise to Christ, your King and Shepherd true. And the whole first part is only about praise, glad thanksgiving. And it is the quickening and the living bread today before you set. This is, this is an, um, an exhortation to us. It says to you and me, loud, O Zion, your salvation. Um, loud, bring him praises. Um, uh, special theme for glad thanksgiving from his hands of old partaken. It's addressed to you and me as an exhortation to praise. I've written a bunch of songs like that. Um, <laughs> full and clear ring out your chanting joy, nor sweetest grace be wanting from your heart. Let praises burst. So that's the first part of exhortation. What you're gonna see here in the middle part, which is the Roman Missal, on the right is an older translation. This is kind of saying what's happening and why we should give these praises. For today the feast is holding when the institution, olden, the ancient rites, in which the supper was done. Here's the new. And so we have this back and forth between new and ancient. Now the new, the old effaces. Truth away, the shadow chases, light dispels the gloom of night. Doesn't that sound like the exultant? It does, I was just going to say that. Isn't that cool? Yes. What might that in itself, I hadn't thought to ask this, but in terms of setting, doing this and singing it, maybe there's something about this purple section about quoting some of the, the chant from the exultant. At the very least, I can see a lot of text in this translation here, especially in the Roman Missal translation. I can see it alluding a lot to Triduum itself. I'm, I'm now looking at the next phrase here. When, what he did at supper seated, Christ ordained to be repeated, his memorial never to cease. What do we think of Holy Thursday? Bingo. Yes. It's all a Triduum. And even the next part. Um, and, 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 no, Thomas is making, I think it's Aquinas who wrote this. Isn't that what Michael said? I'm pretty I sure. I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now it's going to get more theological, as you might guess. So we had um, 
the encouragement of praise. Now here is why we're praising, which is kind of like the preface too, kind of like a preface. This is the educational section. And this is where I start to go, hmm, I, I think it's possible to look at this as a, an affirmation of the church's teaching on Eucharist, okay. And it's all about this, bread into his flesh, he turns to his precious blood, the wine. Mm -hmm. And why don't we just do this? Why don't you read uh, the next uh, triplet and I'll do the next one. And we'll, we can hear and see this thing play out. That sounds good. Sight has failed, nor thought conceives, but a dauntless faith believes, resting on a power divine. Here beneath these signs are hidden priceless things to sense forbidden. Signs, not things, are all we see. Blood is poured and flesh is broken, yet in either wondrous token, Christ entire we know to be. Whoso of this food partakes does not rend the Lord nor breaks. Christ is whole to all that taste. Thousands are as one receivers, one as thousands of believers eats of him who cannot waste. I liked, I liked this, I like this section. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's powerful that way. And I wonder if this couldn't be part of the, what have we got three years on Eucharist starting here soon? That's right. Um, I mean, this is basic. Catholic theology is so wonderfully summed up in poetry. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, the one you read, thousands. Sumit una sumunt mille, quantum isti tantum ille, nex sumptus consumitur. Oh, dang, how did he do that? <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Should we go to that? Um, I don't think it's the last section. No. Not yet. So this is odd. So if you look at the Latin, sumunt, sum unt, boni, sumunt, mali. There are good, there are bad. Mm -hmm. Sorte tamen in a quali, uh, vitae vel in territus. Mm -hmm. um, it's like saying Fisher cut bait. <laughs> you know, bad and good, right. the feasts are sharing. Look, you know, uh, according to St. Paul, we can eat to our condemnation, the body of Christ, if we don't recognize the body of Christ, mm -hmm. which in that passage from Corinthians, I believe, is both the food that is shared and the persons gathered. Mm. I think that's 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 11. Um, and then life to these, to those, damnation. And then back to, could you go read out those last two? When this yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. When the sacrament is broken, doubt not, but believe tis spoken that each severed outward token doth the very whole contain. 
not the precious gift divides, breaking but the sign betides, Jesus still the same abides, still unbroken does remain. I mean, that's really good uh, dealing with the poetry and the English too, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. This section to me also, like it, it, to me, it has a neon light that says Corpus Christi on it. I mean, there's so many of these things that obviously celebrates Corpus Christi in this particular sequence, but this area to me just yeah. Yeah. exemplifies it. Yeah. Now this last little bit here, mm -hmm. you see that those markers, uh, that little marker, the dividing point? Yes. This is where the short form of the sequence begins. Oh. Mm -hmm. Now let's see what we get with the short form of the sequence. It's going from a triplet to a court, quartal, mm -hmm. whatever the, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Why don't, let's just read it. Would you start? Sure. Lo, the angel's food is given to the pilgrim who has striven See the children's bread from heaven, which on dogs may not be spent. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Truth, the ancient types fulfilling. Isaac bound, a victim willing. Paschal lamb, its lifeblood spilling. Manna to the father's scent. Very bread, good shepherd, tend us. Yezu of your love, befriend us. You refresh us, you defend us. Your eternal goodness, send us in the land of life to see. You who all things can and know, who on earth such food bestow, grant us with your saints, though lowest, where your heavenly feast you show, fellow heirs and guests to be. What's interesting, just one quick thing, um, uh, Amanda, is that in the second, well, it's five, this one has five parts, uh, in the land of life to see, your eternal goodness send us in the land of life to see, uh, tunos bona fac videri in terram viventium, um, viventium, I guess you'd say. Um, in or into the land of the living. So that's a, a participle. So, so this is, I mean, you're right. This whole thing really screams Corpus Christi. It is, I, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if composers might pick this up as something during the years of Eucharistic mm. attentiveness. And if um, some other, some theologians might also want to go into, like Michael's perfect. I mean, he, he's a monster when it comes to Latin. The guy's genius. So, um, but to break it down in terms of Thomas's thought, as well as, is there a way to hear this, like I'd want to do this in free verse, hmm. not in meter, I think, unless I could do it Carmina Barona style. <laughs> I, 
I really now want the exit music for this episode to be Oh Fortuna, but unfortunately yeah. I, I don't have the rights for it. So unfortunately all of you will, can just look it up on YouTube after and imagine that it's the end music from this episode. <laughs> Wonderful. So uh, as, I mean, as we wrap up, I'm going to stop sharing my screen for those who are watching the video. It is so clear that there is so much to be unpacked in just these three sequences. And the text is so glorious that, I mean, I, you, you've shown us the ISIL translations and the Roman Missal translations, and of course the original Latin. And there, there really is, based on your parish and your cultural context, I mean, any of these, Latin, the ISIL, or the Roman Missal translations, there's so much that can be offered to just glorify the beauty of the liturgy, especially in these three particular holy days in our calendar by using this. And I think the three are so different. They are, you're right. They're so different in their feel. Um, I'd have to work on the Corpus Christi one a lot more to, for me, for my, my way of listening to things. I mean, it's poetic in its own way, but it's, it's square. It's, it's, it's uh, right, left brain. It's so dang left brain. <laughs> I'm really more drawn to the Pentecost sequence this year mm -hmm. for the first time ever. Really? with that kind of existentialist read that I gave mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. between here's the anthropology and here's, here's why we call out, come Holy Spirit and the spirit we're asking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Rock, this has been so enlightening. Thank you for your time and your expertise today and your reflections, because I can say that all of us who are listening to this after recovering on their couches from Holy Week, um, this is this is a welcome respite for us to sit and kind of like refocus into this season. I, I know Victime Pascali Laudes has already passed for the year. But it gives us such a great lens to sit down and think, okay, what, you know, what can I do with these other two sequences, especially moving forward? Because, I mean, you've, you've given us, like you said, you've given us so many pillars and things to consider that I think they'll be a great addition to so many parishes, really. Thank you very much. It was yeah. so much fun to do this with Thank you, you and to have the back and forth. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, my pleasure. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Easter season. And you too. God bless Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Father Rock for his time and expertise today. For more information about these sequences and to find the video version of this podcast, check out the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Victime Pascali Laudas was produced and proclaimed and recorded by me in the spring of 2020, when our Easter celebration was completely virtual due to COVID-19. 
The theme music was produced by Aaron Shows, and this episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.